Hi, this is Jeff Dixon, and I'm the pastor of Word of Life Miami. Do you ever find yourself struggling just going into the presence of God, thinking of all the things you've done wrong and maybe not feeling worthy? Well, as you listen to today's podcast, I hope I can shed some light as to why our worthiness or unworthiness doesn't affect God's desire to spend time with us. Enjoy today. I hope it enlightens your life, and I hope it encourages your faith, and I hope you grow in the grace that God has extended to you. God bless. Have you ever walked into a room and been like, I, I don't belong here? Have you ever been there? Um, maybe you've walked into a situation where you knew you were supposed to be there, but it was the most awkward encounter, maybe, possibly. Um, so when I was younger, I played trombone in high school, all through high school, played for Broken Arrow. Pretty big deal. If you know who they are, being from Oklahoma, you should know that. They're, I can't stand over here. They're national champions time and time again, marching band. Um, but anyway, I also played trap set drums for the pet band, which was pretty cool because that was weird for them to think this, drum, this trombone player is actually playing drums when they have a whole set of drummers, but I could outplay them. Well, anyway, so we would do things like play for basketball games and Wrestling matches. I don't understand why they had to have us at wrestling matches. It was a bunch of dudes wrestling and then the band. But I remember that we were at some wrestling match, and they were announcing all these wrestlers as they were coming on the field. And I always had to do some thing. And um, so I did, and it was cool. But I was paying attention to my drums, and everybody was yelling. And I was like, I'm awesome. I'm tearing it up. I'm playing my drums awesome, yeah, they were sounding awesome, that was awesome, how many times can I say awesome, and it was really good, and I look up to find Mr. Brooks, my band director, B-Red, screaming and throwing at me, you're playing for the other players, I was doing the wrong thing at the wrong time, been in the wrong place, yeah, the other team, I hit the floor, trembled at my seat, I was doing the wrong thing, I was in the wrong place. I was full of shame. Now, um, have you ever raised a puppy before? <laughs> okay, so I think maybe this is a little too soon, right? I think you all, about a year in, you're, sorry, hit go there, can in the face, busted up nose, puppy. Um, you ever deal with a puppy that isn't quite house trained and you beat the dog on his nose and what do you say other than no? Shame on you. You ever use that phrase for the dog? I don't, we don't ever use it on our kids, right? Have they ever? Don't, don't answer that. Shame on you. So, have you ever felt maybe like you were in a place of shame? Where it could have been you that was maybe not playing the drums for the wrong team. Maybe not you that was the dog that had taken a... Deuce on the floor, that would have been weird. I just don't want to go to the bathroom, room, room. But have you ever felt like shame was on you? Um, you know, there was something that happened at the beginning of time where shame was placed on man. It was a big deal. It was a bad deal. And today, 
I want to talk about and address our encounters with God, and I want us to have a shameless encounter. Turn with me to Mark chapter 1, and as you do that, I'm going to pray. Father God, I pray as I unfold what you've shown me through Mark chapter 1 and a couple of various stories in your word that we would all grab hold of how you want us to enter into your presence, that we don't enter in shame anymore, that uh, we can enter in total acceptance. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So Mark chapter 1, we're going to concentrate in and out throughout today's message through these five verses. And in verse 40 it says, And a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling to him. And he says, if you will, you can make me clean. And I want to stop there for a moment. And I want to address this scenario first and foremost. You see, leprosy, even today in some countries, is a shameful disease. It's an outcasting disease. Leprosy is this situation, it's a scenario whereby if you were to somehow have it in the United States, and it does happen, it's a very quickly and very easily curable disease. It's really a disease centered around cleanliness and a couple of baths and a little bit of ointment and some medicine, and you can cure it very easily. And in other countries, you wind up with leprosy and you lose noses and limbs, and it becomes a very uh, dangerous and, and even potentially contagious situation. And in this time, if you were to con- contract, contract, deal with, get, whatever the word is, leprosy, uh, you were no longer welcome. You lost your home, your rights, your wealth, your family. As a matter of fact, if you even had leprosy, if someone were into this room in those times, well, first and foremost, it was against the law for them to even enter this room. But if they were to even have to come in near anything, they would have to yell from a distance, unclean, unclean, I'm unclean. And people would have to make way and they would part and not even go near that person with leprosy. And so you've got to realize there's some serious controversy in this very first part of this chapter 4. It says a leper came to him. A shameful, an unclean person, somebody that had no business even being in the crowd. We read before that there's a crowd taking place. There's a crowd that's gathered around Jesus. And we have this man, a leper, that has come to him. It's not an ideal scenario for this man. But yet he comes and he says, if you will, you see... The thing I've discovered about Jesus in my life personally, but I've also discovered through reading his word, is when you address Jesus with an if you will, we most often on the other side of that if you will discover that it is his will. And so when we pray, Lord Jesus, address these situations, when we say, God, I've got a need in my life, and especially when it comes to healing, it is my full belief that we can never ask, or we should never ask, if it be your will. We know through Scripture it is His will that He heal. So I want to encourage us today that as we address Jesus, we understand that we don't ever need to come to Him for healing and say, if it's your will. We need to understand that it is His will. But in here we've got a man, and he says, if it's your will, you can make me 
clean. You realize that every one of us is this leper. At some point in our lives, every one of us has had shame on our lives. If we were born, the Bible says we were born into sin. It goes all the way back to the garden, and we're going to look at that in just a moment. But every one of us has shame that is upon our lives. And this isn't meant to point fingers and make any one of us feel terrible in this room. But every last one of us, down to the youngest in the room, was born into shame and born into sin and born wanting to be in control. And every last one of us is this leper. We have something upon us that has marked us with separation from God's best in our lives, and that is sin. And we've got to first, as we look at five ways, go ahead to the next slide, Abigail. I want to show you we're going to have five ways or five steps to reach a shameless encounter with God. And the first one I want us to look at is we first must recognize our filth. And we can change that word filth to shame. We must first recognize that there is something in our lives that has caused us shame, something in our lives that has caused us a separation, something in our lives that has made it so that when God enters a room, maybe we initially feel like we must hide and run from what he has. And so it makes me go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. And we know the story. Adam and Eve have been there. Eve has been tempted by the serpent. And the serpent has said, take and eat of this. And she has told him all of the reasons why she can't. And he can't seem to come, or she can't come up with a reason why she shouldn't. So she does. And in an instant, they recognize something. And it, uh, right here in chapters or chapter 3 of Genesis um, we've got Adam and Eve, and they recognize their shame. Unfortunately, in this story, they don't find restoration from that shame. They don't find their righteousness. They don't find that. It takes many, many years for God's perfect plan to come to pass. But in Genesis chapter 3, moving down, we uh, the whole passage is verses 1 through 10, but moving down to the latter part of verse 6, it says, She took of its fruit, uh, speaking of the tree that they're not to eat of, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then in verse 7, the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they, were, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. You see in this picture here, nakedness rec- uh, uh, represents shame. They've walked in the garden, not clothed, not covered at all. They had no need for a covering in their lives whatsoever. They were able to walk freely before the presence of God, freely in His presence, daily walk in His very presence and commune and dine and converse with Him. But all of a sudden, they've taken the one thing that they shouldn't have taken and they've ingested it into their lives. And immediately, all of a sudden, we see this representation of shame put upon them when they look at each other and they have a need to cover themselves up for their eyes were open and they knew they were naked and so they sewed fig leaves together and made for themselves loincloths and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and the man and his wife how unfortunate it must be they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden and I know that in my life personally there have been times that I've come into the presence of God through a corporate experience feeling I am unworthy I cannot do this there have been times when I've tried to open up the 
Word of God and tried to read from the, the Bible. And there's times when I felt like I needed to pray and seek Him out. When I felt like I was only unworthy. That you don't know what I might have just done. Why on earth could I have done that? But then now think that it's even appropriate for me to enter into His presence. So I hid and I got behind the, the, the proverbial bush. I hid from the very presence of God. Even post-Jesus. For I felt the shame upon my life. I did not feel like I was worthy for I partook of something that was not part of his perfect plan for my life. And so here I was hiding from the very presence of God when he came to seek me out, not caring what was upon my life. For on this side of the cross, he had made the provision for me to be able to enter into his very presence. He comes and he seeks me out. But I have personally put shame upon my life. So first, I must recognize there is shame on my life, but I also need to realize there's going to be a progression that God's going to come before me and He's going to say, I could care less about the shame upon your life for I have put together a perfect plan that is set before you so that you can now come into my very presence. Hmm. The Lord called to the man in verse 9 and He said to him, Where are you? Now, I have a feeling He knew the answer to this very clearly. And He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid. This word afraid is just like shame. I was shameful because I was naked so I hid myself. I didn't want you to see me exposed. I didn't want to expose the truth of who I was. You see so many connections to exposure, to shame, to nakedness, nakedness, to shame, to sin, to shame. You see, there was a separation from man and their God. We read later on in chapter 4. That God now has put curses upon the snake and man now must till the ground and eat from it. And anything that we partake, we have to make happen. And woman now must bear a child. How many women want to now punch Eve square in the nose? And our second point in our progression to a shameless encounter with God, we realize this. Point number two. We realize our filth or shame separated us from God. See, God wants us to find a place of shamelessness in His presence. That's the whole point. That's the whole process in which He sought to put together for us. It took thousands of years to come to fruition through His Son, Jesus Christ. But you know, there's been glimpses, there's been glimmers of man before Jesus where there was a shameless encounter before the very presence of God. And it takes me back to when David... Brought the ark back to its rightful resting place in the city of David. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 16 through 23, and it says, As the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked out of the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. She despised him in her heart. They brought the ark of the Lord. I, I, you know what? I welcome somebody to see how we worship in this place and say, how dare they? They're not. That church over there, they're kind of crazy when it comes to worship. I'm okay with that. I'm okay for people to see our expression in worship right here at Word of Life and be a little turned off by it. I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm really, I'm good with that. Because we are madly in love with Jesus. 
And they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place and inside the tent of David, that had, uh, that inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. And dis- distributed among the people the whole multitude of Israel, both men and women, a cake of bread, a portion of meat and a cake of raisins to each one. I don't even know why they eat raisins. That's just nasty. Then all the people departed each to his house. In verse 20, then David returned to bless his household. But Michael, the son of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How the king of Israel honored himself today, uncovering himself today before the eyes of the servants' females, serv- females, the servants' female servants, as one of the vulgar fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. And David said to Michael, It was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above his house to appoint me as the prince over Israel, the people of the Lord, and I will celebrate before the Lord. I believe it's NIV says that I'll become even more undignified. See, David had a lack of shame in the presence of God. Verse 22, it says, I will make myself yet more contemptible. That's where it is. I'll become even more undignified than this, and I will be abased in your eyes, but the female servants of whom you have spoken... By them I shall be held in honor. What a scary thing that happens here. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no children till the day of her death. There's a whole message in that that I'm not going to even get to today. But there's this realm of unashamed encounters with God. And then I think of how really the picture of how God wants to approach us. There's a great picture that we can read in Luke chapter 15. And many of us, if we've grown up in church, know this story. This is the story of the lost son or the prodigal son. This young man has come to his father and he says, Give me my inheritance so that I may enjoy it. And he goes and he lives a wild life and he parties and he squanders every penny that his dad has given him. And he finds himself poor and desolate and he is tending to pigs and finding that the pig slop is better than what he's even partaken. And he says to himself, if even the servants in my father's house are eating better than I am eating, so he says, I'm going to go back to my father's house and I'm going to repent and ask him to forgive me and just ask, can I be a servant in your home? I think we've even been there where we've been in such a a place that I, I can't even come into my house and, or my father's house, I can't even come in and enjoy the benefits, but if I could just come in and watch, see a little bit of what is going on, then that'll be good. And in verse 21, it says, and the son said to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, I am no longer worthy to be your, and I feel like the the scripture here is very clear. It says your son, but I I almost wonder if, if the father shut him up before he could go on. I wonder if the son had more to say. It says, but the father said to his servants, Maybe, maybe he rubbed his lips. I don't know. But I feel like there, there had to have been a cutoff here. And the father kind of put his hand up and said to his servant, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And bring a ring and put, his, put it on his hand and his shoes. And on his, or put shoes on his feet. 
the father couldn't see the son's filth. He wanted to clothe him and put him back in position as a son. He wanted to make right what the son had done wrong by erasing what he looked like in the filth and put him in the right position. The robe and the ring signified that this is my son. He is part of this household. The robe and the ring said to the servants, he is not equal with you. He is equal with me. He is the head of this house like I am the head of this this house and the benefits of this home belong to him so in recognizing so far point number one our filth we realize it separated us from God when we return he's got open arms So going back to our primary scripture, Mark chapter 1, we've left off with the leper and he says, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus moved with pity. He stretched out his hand and he touched him and said, I will be clean. And I love this next line. It says, and immediately. You see, we feel like after we've come in and we've repented, we have to work out some kind of penance. Okay, well, I'm going to have to give more. I should serve more. I need to do this and this, and I need to work my way up to it. But you realize that immediately the leprosy left him. Immediately, when God has made us clean, he has made us clean. Don't allow that filth to be placed back on you. What God has cleansed, he has cleansed. Don't hold on to it. Don't pull it back. Don't look at it. Don't rehearse it. Don't let the enemy remind you of what you were. Let Jesus tell you who you are right now. And that is clean. It's cleansed. It's perfect. It's holy within his eyes. It's righteous because he has made you righteous. So our first point, we are restored to righteousness, shamelessness, interchangeable words. Revelation 3, Jesus, through the vision that John has had, is talking to the church of Laodicea, and he's talking to a lukewarm church, and he's telling them, I'd rather you were hot or cold, and if you're right in the middle, you're like vomit. I will spew you out of my mouth. Then he goes on to say, but I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by the fire. This is Revelation 3.18, so that you may be rich. And white garments, buy these white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. Do you see the connection going all the way back to the garden? And salve, anoint your eyes so that you may see. My fifth point, we are robed. I think I spelled that right. We are robed covering our shame. This is just going back to point number four. This is how point number four happens. You see, when Jesus looks at us, when God looks at us from his heavenly perspective, he doesn't see us, he sees Jesus. He doesn't see our sin, he sees Jesus' sacrifice. He doesn't see our sickness, he sees Jesus' goodness. See, I was sitting in worship, I alluded to this a couple of times in our Wednesday night meetings. I was sitting in worship. Ooh, that could have been exciting. I was seated in worship. Really enjoying what God was saying and doing. And 
said, my people have been coming into my presence. Still carrying the shame that was placed on them in the garden. And I want to release that from them. I've already put that in place. But they need to come into my presence without shame. They need to come into my presence without shame. I think we're all guilty of that at times. The Bible says we've all fallen short of the glory of God. So glad that it's His work that allows us to enter into His glory. It's not our work. He says, I'm bringing you to a place of shameless encounter. So back to our theme scripture in verse 43. Jesus sternly charged him. This is the leper. And he said to him, go away at once. And he said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests and offer for you, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. Go through the proper rituals. Do what's necessary so that you can be considered clean again. But he went out and he began to talk. I, this is so me. He went out and he began to talk freely. There are no secrets. I cannot leave my mouth shut. When God has done something in our lives, Evelyn, when God has done something in my life, I can't seem to leave my mouth shut. But he went out and he began to talk freely about it and to spread the news. And so Jesus could no longer, listen to this, Jesus could no longer enter a town that was out in desolate places. And people were coming to him from every quarter. Here's, here's the deal. I've, I've got these. Go ahead and put the five points back up, Abigail. We've got, we recognize our filth or shame. We realize our filth or shame separated us from God. We return to open arms. We are restored to shamelessness or righteousness. And we are robed. I really don't feel like that's spelled right. Covering our shame. Okay, so it is spelled right. I really could have summed this down to one phrase. I could have, instead of calling this a shameless encounter, I could have told, called, called this the great exchange. See, this man came to Jesus, a leper. Jesus was in the open air, ministering, teaching, whatever he was doing. This man came, Jesus touched him. The man now is free to be in open. Where's Jesus? He's now in the outskirts. He's now outside of the town. He is no longer able to be openly, to be open in this town. He was now out in desolate places. See, this man came and Jesus exchanged his position with this man. That's what a shameless encounter is. See, Jesus took our sin, our nakedness, our filth, 
our shame. And he took it to the cross. And he exchanged everything. He exchanged his position in heaven so that we could have a place there. He exchanged his position in this town so this one man could find his family. And that's what he wants for us. Great exchange. So what I want us to do in here is recognize that Jesus is making an exchange with us. It's not a fair trade. It's not a fair trade at all. just as the man came into Jesus and he said if you will make me clean Jesus says I will be clean he's saying to us today I will I want you to encounter my presence without the shame that was placed all the way back on the, in the garden When you come into his presence with a shameless encounter, you can address him like the, the, the woman, the, the prostitute woman who wept at his feet without shame. When you come to him without shame, then you worship him without care of who's watching, who who. Is judging. There's no judgment that you could even be dealt with. Because when you come to him with shame, there's nothing that's, a, that's, that's even affecting you in that realm. There's no judgment upon you. You see, we, we hold back because we're concerned about what others think. That's judgment. We hold back because of how we feel, because we don't feel like we're worthy. That's self-judgment. We let go because that does not exist. We just worship Him. We worship Him. So what I want to do this morning in closing is I want us to reflect for just a moment. Just close your eyes where you are. I'm not going to have anyone raise their hands. I'm not going to have anyone confess anything openly. I'm just going to ask you to take just a moment where you are And if you need to repent of anything before God, do that. But realize He's not withholding His presence from you. Because He made the perfect, the perfect exchange. He took those things that you personally have thought separated you from God. And He's saying, I never, ever, ever separated myself from you because of what Jesus has done. Now before Jesus, there was a separation. The moment you said yes to Jesus, the separation was no longer there. So just take that moment and reflect on Him. Give to Him. Find your shameless encounter this morning.
Find your shameless encounter. (laughs) Well, I sure hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. If it has blessed you, please click the subscribe, leave some feedback. Uh, Should you want to contribute towards this ministry and all that we're doing in northeastern Oklahoma, feel free to go to our website, wlmiami.com. That's W-L-M-I-A-M-I.com. Click on the Give tab, and it'll walk you through some steps right there. God bless you, and until next time.